Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. <laughs> Welcome to Ambridge on the Couch. I did that in a smooth way because that was a smooth intro. An in-depth look at the archers with me, Harriet Carmichael, Jeff Thomas, Lucy V. Freeman and our executive director, Cooper. Now, before we make a start on your emails, let's have a recap on what happened this week in Ambridge. We began the week with Susan offering to help Alice with the non-funeral. How do you do that? Unslice some bread for the ham sandwiches. Susan is the only one who can talk any sense into Brian. Alice was wearing a jumper and said, Mum, give it me, which was a surprising downshift for her. Did you hear that? Yes, I did. And I I thought, I don't think Lucy will like that. (laughs) Mum, give it me. Anyway, Susan was nice for two consecutive days. So to redress the balance, I was expecting her to have firebombed St. Stephen's by the end of the week. Helen was being pass ag with her dad about Lee's girls. Oh, we're way past that, Dad. Yes, it was your fault, but let's not dwell on your stupidity, you cretin. Lee reckons the girls like Helen, but that's because she gave them a tenner for cigs and not a sodding flower bracelet this time. (laughs) Helen persuaded Lee to stay by telling him to go, which confused him so much that he quietly wet himself and decided to stay. Linda, thankfully, is giving anyone unlucky enough to find themselves staying at Brooker's B&B a fighting chance of not experiencing a sleepless night and botulism. She pointed out that David probably should not be wandering around the kitchen with shite all over his boots or sneezing over the worktop. There was also the loo issue. David got a bit uncomfortable talking about this, which makes me suspect he's probably the one that's made them decide that David, along with Ben and Ruth, have to use the downstairs loo as the poo loo. David, we can't have one of your log jams ruining it for the guests. You see the level of detail here. On what other soap would you ever know which loo the characters poo in? Linda was the world's most unmysterious mystery guest, which I suspected would probably push poor Ben back into a decline again. But it was David, who seemed incredulous that the guests should get a clean bed, was the one who struggled with it. I did think that was a slightly odd bit, to be honest. Yes, I get that the general public, by and large, is a bit irritating. But anyone going to stay on a really rural working farm is going to be delighted at the prospect of calves and lambs being born all over the place. But I do see that a burly farmer wandering about in his undercrackers covered in afterbirth is probably going to delight them slightly less. Re the dog... I once stayed at a holiday cottage where the fact that the incumbent dog owned by the host would A, jump up, B, bark at me and C, chase my car up the drive was actually in the house handbook. And Harriet stayed in one where the dog shat in her bedroom. So I think Linda was a little over the top, but David has clearly never stayed anywhere nicer than a tent. 
Brian is now best friends with Krusty and Roy, who are, I am fairly confident in saying, struggling with boundaries. It is very difficult when someone is A, old, B, bereaved, and C, used to being indulged all their life, not to feel sympathetic and also murderous at one and the same time. Especially when the person concerned nicks the best armchair, nods off and farts contentedly in the corner of your sitting room while you're sweating away decorating. I wasn't exactly sure why they were redecorating in, as Krusty said, exactly the same colour it was already painted. Surely the whole point of redecorating is to pick something ill-advised and garish so that you can feel a spasm of fury about it every time you look at it for the next five years. Or maybe Roy was particularly attached to that shade of greige, biscuit, taupe, taupe, mushroom. Roy is still oversharing wildly with Paul Ardill who popped back to pick up his packed lunch. Ardil sounded ready to clump Roy round the head and was reduced to sending him to run round the garden looking for the architect, who I bet wasn't even there. Lillian was still struggling to come to terms with Tony and Pat's betrayal at the start of the week and was refusing to share the funeral car with them. But to be fair, I'd think twice about sharing an enclosed space with two people who live on leek soup and lentils. Anyway, <laughs> Tony was back on repair shop duty, fixing carriage clocks and slide projectors and God knows what else. All of Ambridge must be living in total shit heaps with people clambering over piles of broken ornaments to get down the landing. A reconciliation was effected in the workshop, though, by Lillian falling off a ladder and spraining Holliton junction though so that was all right and finally i think it is about time we should stage an intervention someone in the village is clearly struggling and is in an appalling situation that everyone appears to be powerless to prevent crusty she is spending every evening trapped between roy and brian despite alice having written out every instruction for the dinner and stuck it on the fridge brian was utterly helpless about the oven until crusty rescued him couldn't find plates and forks for the pudding until someone else with ovaries arrived and Roy chunted on about the gay Grable's architect in the background. Krusty, get out. You are single. You don't need to do this. Don't, for God's sake, take on, rescuing, take on a rescuing role for an elderly man to whom you are unrelated who has been profoundly dismissive of you and your views on several previous occasions and becoming the sole companion of a dribbling spreadsheet obsessive. Remember those halcyon days of Eric? Get out. Get out now. The end. <laughs> well, you can just imagine Kate going, oh, it's fine because Kirsty's looking after him. Yeah, exactly. So I don't need to do anything. <laughs> Has anyone seen that? Never mind. Kirsty's <laughs> yeah. got it. Yes. Well, that's what's so funny, isn't it? That Alice, uh, I know she said she couldn't join him for supper. No. But it's only Alice who's running around yeah. sort of trying. And I actually found her quite patronising, though. I know she was only trying to help, but... Oh, Dad, you've Brian. still got your apron on. Yeah, oh, that was just, so I what? Mean, I know, I just, I really sort of cringed. Yeah. I hate it when Brian's, Brian was sort of put in this... Um, Infantilised you know, position. Oh, completely, yeah. yeah. And it didn't quite ring true. No. I think he probably would have slapped her for saying that. And also, it's, what is hilarious about a man in an apron? It's just, you know, it's yeah. even, you can understand... D Jill saying, oh, Leonard, you've got my apron on. But not a young woman yeah. finding it hilarious. Yeah. You know, well, I, it's just I, a bit... But, but also, I mean, well, A, Brian probably shouldn't... I mean, if I was Kirsty and Roy, I would have said, please don't be so silly. You know, you don't need to cook for us. You're Yeah. It, it, it's unlikely, isn't it, that a, I think that a widow or widower would 
you know, the week after they've been delivered 12 shepherd's pies would then go, oh, well, I'll cook for you guys. It's my turn. Yeah. It's my turn. Come round to mine. I think it's just a given, isn't it, that you accept the food from other people while you're going through a difficult time. Yes. You don't need to worry about paying them back. Exactly. So if I was Alice, I might have had a quiet word with Kirsty and Ryan just gone, don't worry, I'll, I'll have him tonight. You yeah. Know? And, you know, and, and obviously Alice is, oh, uh, you know, I'm doing everything. But they just need to share Brian around. Yes. Brian here, Brian there. You know, I haven't heard family. Kate in the same room as him. No, she's just buggered off because she's got all her new ideas and plans. And she's <laughs> she's counting she gaps. Him she's <laughs> <laughs> I'm too busy saving the world, so sorry. There's Dad. a gap, and there's a gap, and there's a gap. She's just got a notebook with the word gap written 742 <laughs> times. But I did love the fact that Roy, that we heard Roy again. Yes. I've missed Roy. Really? Yeah, because, you know, like, Roy has turned into quite a funny character now. And actually, I think his, <laughs> his and Kirsty's relationship is quite sweet. It's hilarious. It's not as funny as his and Ardil's relationship. Oh, my God. So Ardil weird. just sounded like, okay, just two more words and I'm having you. Just, I've had enough. I've had enough. I cannot listen to you banging on again. I know, but you would, wouldn't you? Mm. Because... Because Roy's so thick and he was like, oh, I'm really sorry I'm late. And then Ardo was like, it's it's okay, Roy. It doesn't matter. Let's get on with the day. And then Roy was like, yeah. And then anyway, so just before we do get, I know I'm late for work and that, but can I just tell you about my shit life and uh, my neighbour? But I, I, I didn't clock that Ardo was, was cross about his insensitivity to someone dying. Mm. And then having to be nice to them. That was slightly shoehorned in. I, I just took it as impatience that yeah, Roy was too. still talking. Yeah, totally. And yet you're still yakking on. <laughs> also, what do they do? They just sit in a porter cabin and just do typey typey things. Or it, it doesn't ever feel like they're actually doing any work. No. Roy no. just opens doors or yeah. makes tea for the architect or... Uh, I, I think he sort of tries to keep track of where everyone is. That's sort of... Because people just say to him, Roy, where's so-and-so? And he says, over by the whatever it is. And, you know, it's like he's just a tracking service, basically. Roy, please can you open my packed lunch? <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure I can. Sorry I'm late. To basically, Roy is Alexa, isn't he? Yes. He's, he's Ardil's Alexa. He mm. is. But Ardil sounds a bit like Alexa sometimes, <laughs> doesn't he? He hasn't, qu- hasn't quite... He hasn't quite relaxed yet, has No, he? not yet. But then maybe that's Roy. Maybe just living in close proximity yes. with Roy or working with close proximity just, just gives you a certain suppressed yes. fury, I'd imagine. You're right. He's that, his formality is just mm. a complete... is a barrier to stop yeah. anybody yeah. getting to know the real Ardil. <laughs> Least of all... Roy, um, was I? I wasn't imagining it, was I? She said, "Mum, give it me." She did. I, I, it jarred. Why? It jar? Why it, would she suddenly say that? that Mum, give a, it me. No, it, that is a thing, isn't it? Like you can say it's it's an expression because you can say, um, "Yeah, he give it me at Christmas." You you can't well, you can, say you that. can if you're common. You see. <laughs> But Lucy, I don't think it is the common thing. I think it is like a sort of casual expression. But I think it's. I've never heard anybody say it apart from. Well, where I grew up, everyone said it. But but that's what made me think it's quite an old fashioned thing to say. Oh, yeah, he give it me. Or he, he, um, not just give it me. He, um, you know, there's 
yeah, there's other ways of saying it. I wish I could think of other examples. Correct ones, you mean. He gave it to me. Well, no, I mean like that sort of changing the past to the future, but meaning it in the past. I thought that was quite an old-fashioned sort of 80s way of saying things. It just leapt out as it peculiar. Did. But it must have been written down because yeah. that's why it sounded odd. And she sort of swallowed it when she said it, which made me think she wasn't very comfortable saying it either. Yeah, but it's definitely a thing. People do do... That is, that is a way of speaking, Lucy. The other people may say it. But I only know it from round here, and the people round here do not speak like Alice. Mum, uh, give it me! Yes, yes. But Alice Alice just pretends to be posh, though, doesn't she? Mm. I noticed that she said... Oh, I should have written it down. It was a word like... A word like Tuesday. Right. Instead of saying Tuesday. Right. It was one of those, you know, she put the Tues in okay. it. Or, and I thought, I don't think the... Who am I to know? But I, I thought in my head, I wonder if the actor does that. Because that also that seems quite old fashioned to me. Yeah, slightly forced sort of thing. Yeah, or it's mm. quite a, it's quite a well it's a well spoken thing to do, isn't it? But actually, I think for uh, Alice's generation, less and less people mm. have that. Um, what what are the other you know Tuesday and tissue tissue that sort of that year <laughs> sound nude nudie because I would I would just say Tuesday nude. Tuesday and, and etc. So what I'm saying, Lucy, is I think she's putting on quite a. She's Alice. It sounds posher than she is. Okay. Don't you think? Yeah. But she, it sounds I a bit. Don't. I still don't think she'd say, "Mum, give it me." Well, do you want to write in? Yes, I will. Yes. I wonder if Kerry Davis wrote it just to annoy you. Yeah, he did definitely. And folk. Actually, it was like Nadia Ahmed this week. I think. Oh. Mm. Oh. Well, also, it's um, I've got a friend who cannot bear. She's actually training her boyfriend to stop saying H because you know H oh, is oh. H. Yeah, I guess it's what they're taught at school because it's more phonetic, isn't it? So I hate it. Yeah. No, I can't be doing that. <laughs> a lot of people over the age of 40 <laughs> do, do not do not no, uh, accept it because it's incorrect that's why <laughs> but language is always evolving Lizzie because yeah, yeah. <laughs> my kids all say I don't mind because it's what their all their friends say but language is always evolving <laughs> is an excuse it's but laziness on the adverts they say HSBC don't they HSBC <laughs> oh talking of adverts yes um, Christine uh, has emailed us and said, I didn't have to miss Harriet too much this week. I just popped into Lidl to hear her. Yes. <laughs> Still there. Still hanging around the stores vocally. Yes. Phew. Thank God. Still so that's saying. another 25p in your piggy bank this week. Exactly. One person heard you in Lidl. Yes. Clean up until number five. <laughs> Cashier number two. Um, Cassier number two. Cassier number two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I'd, but you know what made me laugh was, you know, when Roy and Kirsty were tucking into the beef bourguignon. Oh, no, the beef wellington. Beef wellington, yeah. And Brian went, oh, and this is one of Jenny's classics. And, and Kirsty went, oh, it's one of Jenny's. Yeah. And Roy went, whoa. <laughs> and I thought he was like, there's some because it had come out the freezer. Yeah, and no, she's not in it, Roy. She did. <laughs> but there was there was this really funny Posey Simmons. Do you, do you know Posey Simmons? Yes, cartoonist. Yeah, and she did a sketch 
you know, back in the day. And it was such a funny thing. It was like a very middle class dinner party and they were serving, I think the granny had died or something, and they were serving a shepherd's pie and the mums just I would say, oh, yes, this this is one of Marjorie's. We just got out of the freezer. And one of the guests was like, well, <laughs> Marjorie, who died in 1987. <laughs> And it was just really funny. There is something a bit weird about eating a dead person. I know. Food, even I, if it's been in the freezer. My my instinct was, ooh. Yeah, when me when too. But then I thought, why? That's ridiculous. But I didn't know if Roy's reaction was, <laughs> are you actually joking? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Brian, you've been given plenty of fresh lasagnas. <laughs> Can't we just have another one of those? <laughs> but I guess he has to that's the thing isn't it he has to clear his freezer out now mm. to get all of the rest yep. of the stuff in yep all those well meaning ladies yeah. dropping by yes. with foodie food um uh what did you think about, about Helen and Lee oh my god <laughs> Helen is getting worse she actually said to Tony so they say well, yeah, that. But yeah. She said that to Lee, but she also said, the thing is, she said something along the lines, the thing is, Dad, Lee's actually becoming um, a half-decent father. He's getting a lot more confident in being a father. <laughs> she was so yeah. patronising. Yeah. And I, I actually... Lee is I, her eldest son. I swear to God. A hundred percent. Yeah. She, I mean, she was basically saying... Obviously, he's not a good. You know, he'll he'll learn. He's learned a lot from me yeah. about parenting. Yeah. Um, you know, and the boys will come to respect him as a father figure, but he just needs to put his toys away first. It was it was all it. The way she speaks to him is unbelievable. I know. Yeah. And and although I actually clapped her for saying, "You go if you want to." Yeah. Because I thought that's a really that's a really grown up thing to do to say to your partner, you know, put your kids first. Yeah. But she was so direct when she said yes. it. Yes. If I was Lee, I would have been like, oh, oh do you hate me? Because she just went, well, you could go. You, yeah. you could just go. Just but go. also, she was quite sneaky there because if she'd thrown a wobbly and said, Lee, don't go, every time yeah. they'd had a row forever. Yes. Yes. He would have been able to say, I gave up my girl. No, actually, he'd have gone, <coughs> I gave up my girls for you, Helen. Um, and now she can say, I said go if you wanted to. Yes, You're not Lucy. entitled to be pissed off now or sad yes. or grumpy or miss them or anything because I said go. You chose not to, so shut oh up. Oh, my God. She's like a brick wall, that girl, isn't she? She is. He will never, ever, ever move her no and but also i did you know when someone says something and, and anyone else would say you'd go ha 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 and think it's a funny joke but then when she said so they say i thought you actually believe that don't you <laughs> know, because she actually didn't say it in a sort of no oh, so oh. they say yes i know yes yeah so, so they do say yeah so they actually so no so they literally say no they, they really they, do they, say they, that they, they really do, do. <laughs> i'll show you the email <laughs> <laughs> Lee would just go, sure, yeah, sure, sure, Tony, yeah, <laughs> uh, Mabel and Evie, sure, sure. So he's so he's so so he always he's always he's so nervous. He's always hopping about, isn't he? Being he is jolly. twitchy, Mister Twitchy. And he's yeah, he's just he's so um, you just want to go, come on, Lee, yeah, have some balls or, or or make them bigger or something. 
because you just sound thick. Like when he's like, no, no, Tony, I, I want to thank you because, uh, yeah, I, I didn't even think about the fact that, you know, he's just... That I could say no <laughs> to my... <laughs> Exactly. Like, come on, Lee, you do you used to have a brain before you met Helen and she replaced it with a frozen one. How did you wipe your bottom before you met Helen, Lee? <laughs> it's so sad, isn't it? I know, it? I know. <laughs> and I just thought, and like, she's so manipulative that she's mm. basically now, Lee is going to be the father of her boys. Yeah. Well, he called them my my sons, didn't he? Yes, exactly. Mm. And it's almost like she's turned into Rob now. Oh, she's she's become you know probably mm. going to end up being a bit coercive. Mm. Who knows? But, but I do. I really. I I do actually really like hearing Lee for some reason. <laughs> I like his sort of perkiness. Yes. And I love. And when he got angry, you know, a bit angry. Yeah. With um Alicia, I I was like, come on. If he's just showed a bit more of that fighting spirit, Lucy. Yeah. Because that's all he longs to do, isn't it? That's why he loves all the Marvel stuff and the superheroes. Cause well, no, dreams... he'll come into his own when Rob comes back oh, yeah. and tries to take Gideon away. Then, <laughs> um, uh, you know, that's when Lee will karate kick him in the nuts or something. Was, did Roy, did um, Rob call him Gideon? Mm. Oh, my God. I think he's him. called Gideon Jack and they all ignore the Gideon bit and that's just call him Jack. Right. That's so weird, isn't it? Mm. Oh, my God. Yeah, that'll be good. And he'll do some karate. Yes. We've all forgotten that he was the karate teacher. Hiya. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just said hiya. Sorry, hello. I didn't mean to raise my voice so much. Um, don't worry, Lee. You are getting better. She's just like a she's like a brainwasher. Even yeah. Because she, she's so measured when she speaks. Yes. It's, a it's bit like, like when, he, when, when he said, we need to talk. Was it? No, hang on. I can't remember who said it to who, but one of them. I think it was her. Said she said, yeah. "I, I need to. We need to to talk." Yeah. And he sort of said, "Ooh, that sounds a yes. bit serious or something." And I thought, <laughs> yeah. oh, for God's sake! You can hear the see the sweat breaking yeah. on his forehead. I have wet myself again, wet. Helen. <laughs> I think. Uh, she sort of sounds mildly amused and indulgent of him like a headmistress yes with the head boy and she's worried that she's actually made him head boy and he wasn't quite ready for the responsibility <laughs> that's what that's i'm what not it angry with like. you yeah i'm just disappointed yeah it's that i thought you were it? better than this lee <laughs> hello don't be don't make me sleep in the shed again <laughs> i'm not going to make you sleep in the shed but i am going to take away your black panther sticker <laughs> For two weeks, it will be confiscated. And you're not allowed. The sticker chart is going back up, Lee. <laughs> give me that plastic, Spider-Man. Give it to me. Give it, give it, give it to me. Now its arm snapped off and whose fault was that? <laughs> uh, he'll just be to poor old... And then when he FaceTimes Mabel and Evie, she'll be standing in the background. Yeah. So he'll have to censor what he says. But then look at her mother. You know, Pat says... He, Tony says, could you please leave us, Pat? And she says, um, okay. And she literally goes two steps outside the door and then listens and then pops back in again whenever she wants to feel like chipping in. I know. I mean, as you said, apart from the, the, the smelly bottoms... I, if it was going to the funeral, I, I wouldn't want Pat in the car. I'd want it, if I was Lillian, I'd want me, mm. Tony, and my mother. Mm. 
because po- Pat's always blimming poking it in her nose in, and you have to have sort of your immediate family so that you can really cry and be sad yeah. together. Yeah, yeah. Pat is a. Don't, don't you think though that that Helen has basically recreated the relationship that her mother has with her father? Yeah, yeah, with, completely. With, with yeah. Leeds, they've just replicated yeah, it, haven't they? Yeah, because Tony's a little boy as well. Yeah, and even the slightly kind of fond, <gasps> yeah. oh, what's tuck, he tuck. doing now? I wonder oh. if they did that on purpose, or I wonder if it's just coincidentally evolved like that, or I wonder if that was always... I think well, they've oh, done I it on purpose. Do you know, because I know a lovely little detail I clocked this week, which I assume is deliberate, is... You know, everybody calls Jenny, Jenny, mm. but Tony always calls her Jennifer. Yeah. And you notice that in families, don't yes. you? Like sometimes yeah. it's only siblings or mm. parents that call the mm. person by their full mm. name and everyone else calls them, you know, mm. Katie or, you know, yeah. or Sammy. But I, I just thought that was quite a nice little yes. detail. And I, yeah. that presumably has always been the case. Yeah. So... And it yeah. was funny when Lillian fell off. The, it, they always have to end it. They can't, we, can, we can't end did, anything. They did that ladder. Yeah. They did that ladder storyline about three weeks ago. We can't, Alan going up the ladder and falling over. Yeah, we and, can't. And being fine. We can't do anything. Um, uh, we can't, you know, we can't do anything too emotional. So uh, we can't solve yeah. it by talking and being rational. So let's just <laughs> fall off a chair. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. I you darling i love you i love you oh lillian you're hurting my ears (laughs) yes you're right there had to be some uh but do you know what i didn't care because actually i'm just glad that that silly this silliness is over yeah it was a silly old grudge and i'm glad that that's fine and everybody's and susan was the hero this week wasn't she? I loved the way she just kept marching oh. around telling everybody what for. She wasn't even get she wasn't even um waiting for a sort of um uh but, but she, she wasn't even doing it tactfully. She wasn't even letting the ground no. the, the 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 dust settle. She was just like, "Right, that's it, right? Why roll my sleeves up while I'm at it? I'll go and tell so and so a few home truths as well." Uh, exactly. I <laughs> I but I I gen I actually I actually found her and Alice quite moving because I thought Yeah. Even though Alice is being a bit annoying, when you know when someone like that, especially when you lose your mum, you need another mum figure to come and give you a big hug, don't you? Yeah. You know, and just say you're not, you know, you're not on your own, and you know, we. Oh, I found it so. I actually found it so because I think of all the people in Ambridge, I'd want Susan to be my mum because she's she is so genuinely loving. She she puts family above everything, doesn't she? And that's what. Any, I think anyone who's a little bit annoying or spiky or whatever, if they put their family above everything else, that makes them a really decent, mm. loving person. And that's what she did with Alice because, you know, Alice has been so awful mm. to her. Yeah. And she just went and she understood, didn't she? And then when she said to Brian, you know, as you said, she just didn't even think about it. Well, yeah. she, she said she did think about it for 30 seconds, didn't she? But she was like, yeah, this is just so pathetic. You know, and when she said, I, I really wished I'd written the line down because I thought it was such a good line, the way she articulated it. She said, Alice isn't just, Alice isn't just dealing with grief. She's, uh, she's dealing with an addiction as well. But yeah. she said it in a much better way than that. Yeah. And actually, it's the only person who said, oh, and by the way, can you imagine what it's like for Alice? Because she's lost her mum, but she's also struggling with another massive tragedy in her life. And 
and Susan was the only person to you know bring that up and I just I just wanted to give her a yeah bit. I wanted her to give me a cuddle Lucy. and it was it was you know because Alice really does need a mother figure yes and Brian's exactly. just useless and yes you know she doesn't even have she, her sisters don't support her either exactly. so at least she's got a Susan exactly that's the thing and Susan was right to go all right Brian we know you're suffering yeah but you've got kids you dick yeah, aren't yeah. you worried about their futures mm. as well and stop being such a baby it's just yeah. a bloody coffin so I was like yay Susan I just think like you all you need is especially I think when you you know anyone who's lost their mum knows don't they you just need a motherly person yeah to give you a big cuddle and to you know so that you know there are other you know yeah. there's lots of lovely maternal people in the world yes. that make yeah. you feel better exactly and i loved susan yeah i like it when she's <laughs> when she's when she's sensible yes and before but before the ego takes yeah takes over and she goes a bit loopy but, but, but that yeah. and also because she doesn't do it in an emotional way you know no when sometimes the actors you know, when like if it's a scene where somebody's crying and they yeah. off and the other actor who's supposed to be the supporting one will cry too in sympathy. But yeah. you're like, no, that person doesn't need that. They just want mm. you there to support them. They, mm. it's you know, they don't want to. Well, the, Susan is annoying as she is. She's a blooming tough woman. She's been through a hell of a lot. Exactly. And that's what that. you need. You need somebody with a bit of backbone. You can't lean on someone who doesn't have a backbone. You can't because they'd might fall break over. Them. <laughs> be a bit awkward with because I don't think they'd be able to sit upright for a start. So <laughs> get complicated. <laughs> but yes, you did Susan's definitely got a backbone. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um right, let us do some emails because we have oh, we many and various. But we didn't talk about Innis. Oh god. <laughs> did you find that annoying? Yes. Did you? I actually didn't. I thought it was quite <sighs> funny. I mean it wasn't it was annoying, but I Linda I, and her alternate person who's she been? Dylan Snells. <laughs> Dylan Dylan Nels. Oh, I thought was, why are you, why what is your obsession with <laughs> using other names, you loony old she bat? She gets a kick out of it. I she does. a bit creeped out, wouldn't you? Yes. Like, and then she oh, when she said No, Ben, I think we'll find Linda <laughs> Snell is back in the room. I thought oh, <laughs> Oh, Ben is a young man. He'd have crawled out of his own skin by now watching you do this performance, you nut job. It's a bit like, um, was it David or John Suchet? Which one was Poirot? But he, he, when he was Poirot, I think it's David Suchet, he was always Poirot on set. Yeah. And he was a yeah. good actor, wasn't he? So yeah. He was, and, and, that's, and I guess Linda, you know, with her Amdram, <laughs> loves that method, <laughs> technique. So she got I'm in character, Ben. <laughs> so I thought it, I know, but if it had been anyone but Linda doing it, I, it would have really annoyed me. Yeah. But it actually was a, I thought it was a very funny way. It ended up being quite funny, I yeah. thought. <laughs> with, with all the pole dark, you know. We're not, yeah. Not in pole dark, David, or all that was quite also, funny. Also, who wears log johns? David. Where do you even buy them now? Don't everybody write in and send me pictures of Long John's. I don't want to know. But they're, they're, they're probably Phil's, aren't they? They'll be Phil's. Uh, Imagine how stinky they are. Um, I mean, yeah. I kind of imagine Joe Grundy wearing them. You know, maybe they're Joe's. 
But surely David would just weigh boxes and an old beer top, wouldn't he? That said, you know. Lucy, it added to the comedy. Is was, but in a, we're not in a 1950s farce, are we? Sometimes we are in the when some, Yes, apparently we are. This week we were, yes. And I People falling it. off ladders left, right and centre. And I had some good old guffaws during that Innes Pickley bollocks, whatever her name was, episode. Because I thought Ben and David actually were very, they all, they had a good... Um, it was supposed to be an Inspector good. Calls, wasn't it? Oh, so it was yes. in. Any, 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 inspector ghouls. So it's in an inspector calls. Hey, God, you're so clever. I didn't know that. I listened well, I was to trying to work out why the bloody hell she'd choose yeah. such a peculiar name, and then I thought, oh. I thought it was um, an anagram of Linda Snell or something. I didn't think ah. very hard about it, did I? Because it clearly isn't. But, <laughs> but, uh, but then when I listened, to, I actually listened again to try and remember the name and I couldn't remember it. But uh, of course it is. Of course it is. Well, what was Dylan Snell? That was the anagram. That's the anagram, yeah. Oh, right. Oh, you're so clever, Lucy. Very Not good. Not really clever. Very good. But anyway, yes. And and you're right. If it was a fart, also you'd look at the photos and you go, that's a bit skunky. <laughs> But it's probably only like thirty-five pounds a night. Yeah, it's, and we're only staying there one night. We just won't touch anything. That's yeah. probably. <laughs> and we'll bring our own soap. Yeah, it's, it's one of those places that's definitely not going to have soap. Yeah, and yeah. We should probably bring our towels as well. Yeah, it's a shared bathroom. <laughs> Even if they've got know. towels, don't use them. <laughs> you just don't really know who's wiped their bum with a towel, do you? Yeah, there's something about a shared bathroom these days. Yeah, yep. So unusual, unless yes. you're hostile. Yes, I think and also... why does Jill get the ensuite? I know, I know. I was imagining, suite? does Jill have some sort of issue that requires her to, you know, what with mum, what with mum's problem? She will be having the ensuite, yes. <laughs> um, and quickly, can I just, to clear up any confusion, you know Tony's carriage clock? Yeah. I thought Leonard had found a carriage clock that he wanted to mend. Or do you remember that? Leonard found somebody else's old clock. Maybe it was David's. Yes, it was definitely a scene when Lillian was bustling yeah. around and said, "Ooh, I'm going to fix this," and took it off. And then we didn't hear anything. But I remember saying to you, "Do you think he's? Yeah. You know, do you think that clock story is going anywhere?" But then Tony had a <laughs> so Leonard's fixing Leonard. it, and then Tony's going, "Oh yes, I definitely did." <laughs> that i've mended all look i did the handle and it now goes tick and everything i'm great mm. it was was did it not chime did it not chime for you that carriage clock reference yes but I, I, i'm still bewildered me. why they're doing the repair shop but no exactly is it that's i guess that's why is it was it because him and leonard are now have they are they working in partnership, do you think? But Leonard's disappeared again, hasn't he? Yes, exactly. He's it's either all... popping in and out like a you know, like a like a like a like a poppy in and out thing. I've completely forgotten uh, what it, that could be. Um or he just disappears completely. Well that's one thing, minute was... every house you're in in Ambridge, this little voice goes, Hello, sorry to bother you and there he is again. Or he's never anywhere. Maybe he's got some dirt on Jenny and he's keeping his head down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. I don't need to, to uh, travel in your car. <laughs> I'll be at the laurels. 
Maybe Jenny didn't die and she's gone to the Brian's just yeah. shuffled her off to the laurels. Or she just got fed up with, with Brian and left. That's what <laughs> strikes me. It's probably more likely. Um, now, a lot of these emails are going to be um, people hotly arguing with Jeff, who, as as usual, lit the blue lit the touch paper and sodded off so now Uh we're having to defend all the things that he said but anyway uh you know the electric charging point oh i'd like to chat about that he was agreed with jeff yeah he was right about that uh they're in the guardian uh they are um it was on it was on pm a few yeah and it's in the guardian as well um christine has messaged us uh uh, Christine, who goes to listen, goes to Lidl to listen to you, um, says that uh, uh, I do a much better job in Truro. In Truro, um, that uh, Tesla are warning, you know, don't go there because you, if you go there, you can't get back yeah, again. Exactly, <laughs> it's awful, actually, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's what? it's the usual thing of in this country we go a bit mad don't we we get we get an idea and we all get a bit overexcited and carried away and we don't actually think it through about how it's going to work we all get a bit overtired and overexcited we all have to go to bed early yeah darling darling how what was the range again how much further do we have to go put petrol in the car where's the pole bit but why don't they have them at garages you well, do, it would but take too long. Yes, it you, takes too long. Yeah, it? you do, yeah. and there, but there's but there's loads, and so many of them are out of um, uh, of are out of service because they're just broken and they're permanently oh. broken. Ger- uh, Giles Corrin wrote a big thing about it and said that he's given up with his electric car now. But then, if they have the because he was spending most of his life at petrol stations, yes. more yeah. than he was when he was actually filling up with petrol, <laughs> which must be a bit annoying. <laughs> it must be so annoying, and you spent a living fortune on that car i would hate that panicky feeling of thinking oh my god well i hope i've got enough oh, charge god. to get there it's bad enough when you've got 30 miles in the tank yes not quite sure or even your mobile phone is on 20 percent, and <laughs> oh. you think oh it's, it's a bit of a gamble it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nightmare <laughs> remind me to buy a battery pack <laughs> that's what you need like you can have like you can buy for your phone you can i know i have one and do i ever know where the sodding thing is no i do not <laughs> Go on, too, but I've got no idea. Is this all thing you'd find? You'd only find it once you'd moved house. Yes, or it's in that drawer where all the other things are, like oh. bulldog clips and rubber bands and pencil sharpeners that don't and work your, anymore. And your Monzo card. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but 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 if it's going to be a charging point at Brookers, does that mean all the cars in Ambridge are going to drive there? for the night or something or is it like do you drive there before you go on a big journey i don't really understand like is it like a car park where you'd take your car for the night to charge it up no <laughs> no it is not um i don't know what it is <laughs> well Actually. how do you know it's not there because it's not because they're not it's not a commercial one they're not asking to charge other people's cars up it's for their own use, oh. whoever the new person is, I think. Well, then they'd only need one thing. Is They're not very big. I yes. Mean, in my, in, you know, the roads around me, it feels to me like pretty much every house has got their own one. Mm. And then in, if you just go around the corner, there's about four and and you just, you know, people just... I always think they look faintly silly. Like somebody, it's like watching somebody charge up a hoover or something outside, seeing your car plugged in. Yeah. You sort of think, ooh, that's weird. not very grown up. <laughs> 
it's ridiculous. I don't know why, because obviously they are a very good thing in terms of us all not not dying of the quite, of the environment but I you think know it looks quite futuristic still because i just think it looks silly <laughs> and i'm not having one of my field <laughs> but no but what i don't understand is what but it wouldn't be a big deal then if it was just for their own private use yes but it's just a bit odd that they want that when they were only yes. supposed to be putting horses in there you know you could that's probably odd. get a horse in too just charge you? one up Charger, yeah, you could get a horse mm. charger. Yeah. Well, it it something's going to something's going to um, spring from that story. Is mm. it? Yes. It's well, gonna, there's going to be some B and B slash. Oh, let's just find out who it is. We don't know who. Of, we still don't know who the sodding owner of Gay Sodding Grables is. We don't know who's bought the field. Which so would they just start telling us stuff? Because Ardell said something weird when they were talking about Grey Gables. He said something like, "Oh well, it doesn't doesn't really matter for me." I can't remember. It was something like, "Oh well, I don't need to worry about the finances." Or he said something because he's not the owner. No, exactly. But then it was. I sort of was thinking, "Well, what what are you doing then?" But I mean, does Roy seriously not know? But it was the again. You know, there's so many opportunities. To, yeah, but Roy's only Roy's only got his own stuff in his head, hasn't he? He's got. He doesn't probably has never even thought about it. What do He's still Alexa. He's just trying to work out how to download BBC Sounds in case anyone <laughs> wants to listen to something. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't understand that. That's what he's going to start saying to Ardil. I'm sorry, I can't help you. It's just so unbelievable. Isn't it? <laughs> but as you always say, that's why we love it, isn't it? Because we love the fact that when there's, there's anything businessy, yes, or finance, it's just it's utter just nonsense. So big, it's like a, just a big hole of cotton wool, isn't it? It's like a child playing a shop and going, "You give me the money, and then I'll put it in the box, and then I will give you some money back." What is change? Mm. But yeah, it's all a bit odd. How much are those apples? <laughs> they are fifty pounds each, and that car is twenty pence. Do you have a charging point? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is a hundred million pounds and a horse. But we're going to find out. We obviously we're going to find out a bit more about Ardil's backstory now. Aren't yes, we? which I'm looking forward to actually. Are you? Yes, I am, <laughs> Lucy. I am. Okay, good. I am, because we want to see the vulnerable side of Ardil, don't we? But we want to see the human side. We want to see the, hu- the human side. Yes. The human side. What's happened about him and Lily? Nothing? Nothing. Nothing. Unless okay. they're just shagging and we don't know about it. Yeah. And Linda's very accommodating because he's a long-term <laughs> guest and part of the family. Ardil. I've reconciled myself to the singing, but if you and Lily could keep your voice down, little, keep your suspense no, squeaking down. Ardil's told us she's only coming round for the singing because mm. they have that singing-y thing together. <laughs> Lily Set. hitting the high like seas. Screaming. <laughs> oh no, no, it was the, us doing the bells. <laughs> I see, Ardil. That's fine. <laughs> Shut up. <sighs> Lily had got hold of the end of my bell. Um, Christine also says, because uh, uh, I was having a high old time getting myself and Jeff extremely confused about, uh, he kept asking me complicated questions, uh, uh, which uh, normally with you, I can get away with it, but he's slightly more uh, forensic. And he says, really? 
so how did that happen then i'm going oh god i don't know but anyway i noticed that actually. yes quite a few times you would let can we just move on yes i don't know i don't stop asking anyway look over there um uh so i was getting into a bit of a flap about uh, uh how long ago jennifer and lillian lived at the bull And the landlords of the bull, according to Christine, were Jack and Peggy, then Peggy, Peggy and Sid. Oh, yeah. Peggy and Sid? Yeah. uh, They they were, they were sort of, she was the owner. Yeah. Yeah, And Sid was. Sid and Polly. Sid and Jolene. Mm -hmm. No, hang on. Sid and, Sid and Polly. Then it was, must have been Sid and Kathy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then Sid and Jolene. Then Jolene Kenton. Mm-hmm. With Lillian as part owner at some point, and Jamie had a share. Terry White says, 1953 to 72, Jack and Peggy. 1972 to 2010, Sid and Polly, then Sid and Kathy, then Sid and Jolene. Then 2010 onwards, Jolene and Kenton. Mm-hmm. He said, only three landlords in 70 years must be a record. The Queen Vickers had double figures <laughs> in less than 40. <laughs> Yes, but it's also had about 14 new roofs because people keep blowing it off. <laughs> and quite a lot of deaths. Yeah. Uh, this is from Molly because uh, Jeff raised the, uh, said the unspeakable, which was. Oh, yes, he did. Is now, this the end then, of it? Now then, don't be silly. Yes, Jeff. because because of the older characters moving, uh, no. moving away. And she says... Um, uh, she's using us to bring herself up to date, uh, Molly is, because um, she hasn't listened since John Archer died. Um, what, what? 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 So she's listening to us to but catch... not listening to the Archers? Yes, I think she's going to start listening to the Archers, uh, but she's she's using us to sort of catch up on what's happening. Wow. Anyway, she says, when I first started listening to the Archers, Ambridge Hall was occupied by Laura and the Colonel. Oh, that's nice i.e. not Linda Snell. I remember her arriving and yes, she does have a pair of wellies. They were red and attracted the attention of a bull. Also, Linda thought I remember that because she had a stand-up row with David when she'd only been in the village about two minutes. Regular characters included Tom Forrest, Doris Archer and Mrs. Perks, Peggy's mum. The show was gradually transitioning to the younger generation. Uh, Sid's, no, Mrs. Perks was Sid's mum, which at that time consisted of Shula rampaging around Borchester with Nigel. Lizzie was still at school. David, Jennifer, pregnant with Alice. Brian was having an affair at the time. Obvs. Pat Tony, just going organic and getting into yoghurt. Eddie, Clary, (laughs) Neil and Susan. I remember many of the current characters getting married or even being born. And yes, I do now feel about a million years old. One of the things which annoyed me about John's death was that it took out a member of the next generation, which I felt was very short-sighted from a continuity point of view. It meant we'd be left with, in that younger generation, just Tom, Helen and Pip with the surname Archer. But setting that aside, the show did successfully transition to the next generation as older characters passed on and the focus gradually moved. So I'm sure that as the current older generation ages, the show will do it again. It's definitely not the beginning of the end. I should also add that I also find it a bit weird hearing that Kenton is now a speaking t- character. He was living in New Zealand for most of the time I listened. And Kate was a missing person for absolutely ages with Jenny oh, hunting wow. the streets of London trying to oh, find her. Right. Right. Yes, that. I remember that. I remember uh, Kate missing. Um, I remember Kate being in it when she was a kid, though. Didn't they have her? Yeah. She was a kid in it, wasn't she? Because she was, that was Kelly Bright, wasn't it? Yeah, she that's was a kid. Right. Yeah. No, it was Susie Riddell. Was she no wasn't she 
was she, wasn't she young Emma? Oh, no, was she, she was young Kate. Oh, right. Yeah. And then it was Kelly Bright and then oh, it was... Right. Yeah, it was Kelly Bright when they went to Glastonbury, I yeah. think, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Oh, wow. Mm. So I'd have had Susie um, back in the day. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Also, Jeff was talking about his dog eating meatballs from under Tesla's. Um, oh, oh, I didn't really understand that. that. Was that like, that was an in-joke? no. It's a real thing. In Holland... Yeah, I didn't understand it. It's people a it, thing then. Yeah, but when people are eating their lunch or whatever and they don't want their food, they just chuck it. But they don't chuck it in the bin, they just ch- chuck it on the floor. Ugh. But it's things like um, like meatballs and hard-boiled eggs rather than, <laughs> you know, like it's half a sandwich herring. or something. It's very odd. Oh, they just chuck it. Yeah, so... <laughs> Jeff's dog, who is a food obsessive, spends a lot of time. He basically has like a wedding buffet all the way down the road because he goes hunting around, finding all these things. And they're always, because Jeff said when he goes near a Tesla, it flashes its lights to say, um, get away because they've, they've got this security thing on them. And Neil Gagan emailed and said, I just thought Jeff should know that when a Tesla beeps and flashes at you when you get your meatball from underneath it, it's alerting you to the fact that the owner has left sentry mode on and that it is recording whatever you're doing oh, for God. posterity. Oh, God. There are presumably loads of Tesla owners near him with video footage of him fondling his meatballs. Take care, Neil. But I just love the idea that Jeff's dog is on people's... <laughs> People's Tesla cameras all over Holland. It's hilarious. Hunting around. People need to stop throwing meatballs. I know. They need to stop throwing food about. It's very, very weird. I guess it's fine because the wildlife will eat it. But what if a little hedgehog eats it by accident, Lucy? Well, they they can eat those things. Are they allowed to eat meatballs? Yes. I thought you weren't allowed to give them anything, but... Oh no, you can't even give them bread and milk anymore, can you? you? No, that's the one thing you shouldn't give them. You give them... them, um, Dog food, that's what they like. Oh, okay. Yes. Meatballs, dog mm. food, mm. not much in it, is there? No. Okay. Mm. Okay. Thanks. Admittedly, Thanks, wildlife expert. <laughs> Jeff's dog will also eat plastic bags and anything else it oh, can get a hold of. Is it a Labrador? So, uh, no. Oh, because they eat everything. They do they? eat everything. Oh, my yes. sister's Labrador is. <laughs> it eats its own shit. It's disgusting. Yes. They, they eat their own puke as well sometimes. It's disgusting. I know. Self cleaning dogs. Right, yeah. <laughs> Saves you a job at least. Yes. Uh, recycling, sustainability. Um, Adam Davison. Um, a couple more thoughts on the Jenny Darling funeral situation. 
Firstly, if Jenny knew she was seriously ill, I'm slightly surprised that she apparently didn't express any preferences on funerals, at least to Brian. I'm sure someone as organised as Jenny would want to have it all planned in advance. She'd have made the quiches. Or maybe she did and Brian is suppressing the information. Secondly, why is no one considering Peggy's wishes? Because she's left the show. While everyone else in the family must have been aware that they would or at least might outlive Jenny, Peggy would certainly not be expecting to and it must be horrible for her. They say that burying a child is one of the hardest things you can do and as a regular churchgoer, I'm certain Peggy would have been absolutely mortified if she'd heard that Jenny wasn't going to be given a proper St Stephen send-off. But no one seems to be considering what would be best for her for a second. That's the Aldridge's, I suppose. Nice of Alan to sort of do. Oh yeah, he's really, he's really, he's yeah, he's. uh, He's so good at. He's so good with his parish. He's so present and so engaged. (laughs) Jenny, who? Jenny, Jenny, Jenny. Ah, Jenny. Uh, Jenny, Was it? See if she can pop down. Oh, the loafer lady, loafer. Yes, yes. What's happened? She's what? She's died. She's died. Oh, Peg, pegged it. Peg it. Pegged it. No. Oh, oh, terribly confusing. Oh, Usha, did you know that loafer lady had died? No one tells me anything. I did her will, Alan. Because <laughs> that's the only thing I do. I'm allowed to do that. Um, no, that's a very good point. She yes. Would, she, but, but then. It, I guess she died. She died quicker than she assumed, didn't she? Yes. Uh, and also, I'd said that I thought that Jenny was born in the bull. And he says, according to Jock Gallagher's seminal 1988 work, Return to Ambridge, Jenny <laughs> was born in Felpersham Cottage Hospital. Oh. Jock Gallagher took over as head of BBC Radio in 1971. Up until then, the backstories to the characters hadn't really been fleshed out. So he, oh. in his spare time created a history that went back in time between the wars and beyond and also mapped the local geography. Wow. Uh, And yeah, so he covered loads of things like um, the courting of uh, Dan Archer and his younger brother Ben for the affections of Doris Forrest. Doris Forrest, ridiculous name. Um, uh, uh, There was Return to Ambridge, which was set at the end of the Second World War when Jack Archer is demobbed and returns to the village with his heavily pregnant 19-year-old Cockney wife, Peggy. It also covers Jack's descent into alcoholism. Mm. What's what's the what's the dude's name? Josh Gallagher. Uh, Jock. Jock. Oh yeah, Josh Gallagher's singer. Jock. Jock Gallagher. Yeah. Jo- oh, doesn't really come up. Oh yeah, Return to Ambridge. Mm. Oh, that's really cool, isn't it? Yeah. I get sweet. Actually, it must have been such a thrill when the actual lives started to, you know. I guess because people would have been, once they got into the arches, they yeah. would have been gagging to know the backstories. Yeah, yeah. where did these people come from? Where, well, it's like Brian, you know, I've always wanted to know what Brian's upbringing was. Oh, do you think he's going to write an autobiography? And what his parents were like and all that sort of thing. And you, you, yes. we're never going to know that. And it's like Krusty, you know, what did they do to her to, <laughs> to make it come out like that? She's a terrible daughter. <laughs> she does go up occasionally, doesn't she, yeah. to see them? Yeah, yeah. She went up after Wren and then, but she's, oh, and she went up to stay with them after she got jilted, yeah. didn't she? Yeah. Didn't come back for a while. I wish Brenda would come back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, still no mention of Phoebe, was there? <laughs> or Debbie, to be fair. I suppose if one of them could come back from South Sodding Africa, surely one of them can 
come back from Scotland, <laughs> crying out loud. At least mention yeah. the, the other people in the family. Yeah. At least, like, pretend that Debbie's coming. Yes. There's no way Debbie wouldn't have... She would have come back the first week. Yeah, I Can't know. Be that. I mean, how difficult is the carving out in Hungary? Or whatever they're doing, <laughs> lambing. Just, Maybe they no, come out no sideways harvest, or something in the Hungarian one. Get somebody else to do it. <laughs> um... Now, we've had two emails in swift succession from Laurie Jones. Oh, yeah. And I did check with her at our Zoomathon that she was okay with me oh, reading yeah, these because yeah. they get, you'll see why. Okay. Right. Can I tuck into my olives? Absolutely. Then? Am I going to enjoy this? Good. Um, right. Laurie Jones, 20th of February, she says. This is sent at 8 o'clock at night. She doesn't put hello or dear Lucy and Harriet or anything. Brian can do and say anything he damn well wants to say and do. If he doesn't want a funeral, fine. Leave him alone. I can't think of another time that I've sympathised with Brian, but if I were him and all these maniac children were pestering me constantly, I would seriously tell them all to go fuck themselves. When the funeral home runs out of space for Jenny's dead body, they can call Brian and ask him what he'd to do with her then. Maybe if he ever has ten minutes alone, he might come up with something. If my kids bombarded me non-stop with annoying drivel, I would disown them. Disown them all, Brian! Except for Rory, who has had the decency to ignore you completely. <laughs> Leave it all to Rory. And speaking of funerals, I'm astonished that Kate hasn't yet proposed a green burial. So simple. Just wrap her up and stick her on the banks of the Am, where Jenny can become one with Brian's chemicals still hanging about in the soil. So, this was her, so that was her somewhat strident first email. The second one sent 21st of February at 5.30. After sending that email yesterday <laughs> saying that Brian should tell everyone to fuck off and leave him alone and about the funeral, I remember that in a previous email I said that Jill should tell everyone to fuck off and leave her alone but st about stuffing Rosie with sweets. The therapist in my head asked me why I took such strong supporting positions on two characters who I generally dislike. That's when it occurred to me that my support of these two old assholes might be because I'm 67 and still working more than full time to support a household comprising myself and three adult relatives plus a four-year-old and never get a moment to myself and wanting to tell everyone in my life except the four-year-old to fuck off during every waking <laughs> moment of my life and therefore I am as big of an asshole as Brian and Jill. Thanks, Ambridge <laughs> on the couch. You just saved me a $300 therapy bill. <laughs> I'm not going to tell Laurie that she's not working hard at all. No, I think that that is what is known to the traders' projection, Laurie. <laughs> Laurie, how about a bit of me time? Give yourself a nice warm bath. Put some bubbles in it. You feel so much better. She'll ring in and tell you to fuck off next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too bloody right. Yeah, but it was only Alice that was pestery, pestery, pestery. To be fair, yeah. the other kids, they did just sort of bugger off didn't they and yeah and that's totally right kate would have had very yes. strong opinions except that the her excuse is that she's now um uh you know solving the yes carbon the, the environment equilibrium yes problemo. yes i've been learning about this this week now equilibrium lucy were you, you know no you know no what about co2 it? equilibrium oh yeah mm. no mm. no What's what is it? What's it's the theory? It's like a balance. So, oh my god, I can't even remember actually. It okay. basically has to be. So the 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 CO two has to be balanced from the in the atmosphere and the liquid. So if there's more CO two in the atmosphere, what liquid? There has to. <laughs> I like the sea or or a coke can. I think this. What? I think the coke can was like a metaphor for the sea. Was this a dream? <laughs> 
It was a voiceover. Oh! I read the script. I just didn't retain the information. <laughs> you didn't understand what you were reading. That's basically what happened. Anyway, it's all of that collaboration. <laughs> basically, the more there is in the air, the more there is in the sea. So there. Thank you very much and thanks for listening. That was a public information <laughs> announcement from That's the Conservative MP for the Minister for the Environment, That's Harriet Carmichael. <laughs> it's all about a Coke can. That's sort of the equivalent of the business information. Yes, in the absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> not, not what are you working on, Justin? On I'm actually working on the <laughs> CO2 equilibrium. Oh, marvellous. That's really interesting. Yeah. Do you want a Coke? I was, I was reading about that. At the, no, they always say, oh, that came up at that farming seminar I was at. <laughs> They're always, that's all they do. They, don't, they never do any fun, except for David and Ruth. Who are always like pulling sheep out? There are they are the farmers just go to conferences, yes, and buy things, <laughs> but they don't actually do any work. I am clapping my little hands with glee when the bill for that bloody great Ooh. thing that is that Stella's just brought comes in. Especially now, Brian's feeling all sort of cuddly and cozy. Yes, with everyone, he's going <laughs> to lose it, isn't he? Lose it. Oh, Brian's coming! How much? <laughs> 15 grand. And she's going to go, Adam said I could. (laughs) And Adam's going to go, oh, I was so tired. I can't remember. I was having a nervous breakdown. I don't know. I was pushing a rice paper boat down a river. (laughs) Oh, my God. This shit is going to hit the fan. (sighs) Couple of weeks. Now, did you know that somebody confused you with Fee Glover? Yes. Did you read? That's... Did you read that already? No. No. Okay. No. This is from That's Elizabeth a really Bartle, good sign. who says, um, "Is this on Twitter? Because you know I can't really access Twitter at the moment. N- why not? I just find it. It's just. It's got so confused oh. me that I'm sort of having to leave it alone a bit. Okay. Uh, no. This is someone's emailed us and said, oh, I didn't see "On emails, off air with Fee and Jane." They read out an email from a chap called Paul who shared a chairlift last week with Fee Glover and thought she did an Archer's podcast. He obviously had got things confused with Harriet's skiing exploits. Fee corrected him. It's ironic as she dislikes all talk of the Archers. Sorry, but she appears to have been quite okay with a very embarrassed Paul. His wife, Catherine, was not happy with him was wondering whether Harriet was mistaken for Fee Glover or any other <laughs> podcaster on any chairlifts. <laughs> so, yes. Paul was on a chairlift. Skiing. Yes. And was with Fee Glover and <laughs> said to her something like, oh, I know you. You're the one that does the Archers podcast, aren't oh you? God. Oh, my God. I'm so happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like... Are you having a laugh? Yes, because she absolutely loads the gets archers. A million downloads a month, and it's not about the freaking archers. <laughs> she probably pushed him off the chair yeah. lift. Yeah, wow. well, if she didn't, his wife did. Oh my god, that's incredible, Lucy. <laughs> I'm so happy about that. I'm quite a lot younger than Fee Glover. Mm. But maybe so. she was wearing many hats and goggles. <laughs> I've worn on chairlifts. Hats I've no- well, uh, the next email, funnily enough, Harriet, I'm doing wow. another The One yeah. Show link. But talking of hats, um, <laughs> Neil Gagan has messaged again and said, uh, blah, 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 blah. this really made me giggle in a charity bookshop the other day. 
Maybe Jeff or Fabrice could do a talk for the WI. And it's a book called Locomotives I Have Known. <laughs> it's a lovely old book, actually. It looks really nice. I hope he bought it. But yes. Carriage clocks I've known. <laughs> All of them broken by Eddie. Um, That's brilliant. Uh, this is from uh, Maraid McRae, who says... I remain a regular listener to the podcast. There's an element of defiance to that, Maraid. <laughs> Thanks, Romaina. Thank yeah. you. Uh, I usually listen in the bath. Not bath, sadly. And it's still my favourite podcast. Thank Aww. you for being so wonderful. That's a pleasure, Maraid. Um, she says, I am very sad that Lee has decided to stay on the British side of the pond, <laughs> if only because I would have liked to see the scriptwriter's attempt at the Lee applies for a green card <laughs> plotline. When Helen casually said, Lee would easily get a green card because he's a very experienced physiotherapist, I snorted out loud. It is very hard to get a work-based green card and employers often have to prove that there isn't a US citizen who can take the job instead. My marriage-based green card took over a year to come through and cost me $10,000. Oh, my God. Between the filing fees, legal fees, and my lost earnings when the US government were three months late in processing it and my work permit ran out. And as a white English-speaking British citizen who is married to a US citizen, I had it much easier than most people who go through the process. I suppose Lee could sell his Marvel collectibles to cover the cost <laughs> if by some miracle he was actually eligible to apply. I was very much looking forward to episodes covering such scintillating moments as Lee files his I-485 form, Lee attends his biometrics appointment and Lee waits on hold for 14 hours with the US Citizenship and Immigration Services Agency. The storyline would hit its crescendo when Lee receives a notice after nine months telling him his application was delayed because he didn't submit a certified English translation of his UK birth certificate. This really happened under the Trump administration. If the world was as kind and easy as the privileged of Ambridge seem to think it is, we'd all be living in a much better place. But I suppose that's sort of the point. I think I would have enjoyed those episodes too, actually. <laughs> Lee's bewilderment, I think. <laughs> Helen, you said they would want me. They don't want me. Physiotherapist? <laughs> what? We have like a hundred million of those. But I'm much better than that, that guy over there. <laughs> Oh, I am. Also, I can do hitty, hitty, hitty as well. Yes, and I teach karate. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> Get out of here. Would Loser. you like to see my dolly? <laughs> um, now, do you remember uh, Katie Palazzola, who's... um Wasn't who's, getting much sleep. Wasn't getting much sleep and was creating wild theories, including yes. Jakob and Eric being the same person. Yes. She's got another theory. Brace yourself. Uh -oh. This is about oh Justin's God. business. Business. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As you mentioned last week, Lucy, Justin is rather cagey about his business. <laughs> and I think I know why. Oh, yeah. Justin is a drug lord. <laughs> I should have known back when he was wearing those lounge pants. Who but a <laughs> Borsetcher kingpin would own lounge pants? Hear me out. Remember when he was so keen to get a yacht? Surely all the best narco traffickers have yachts. What better way to run cocaine? And now he's settling himself into the village shop. Why would he do that? Ooh. Because it's a nice, cosy front. That's, That's why. such a good point. That's amazing. So the baby's still keeping you up then, Katie, yes? <laughs> no, I, I, I was dismissing Katie's theory, but now I'm thinking 
that's why he's at the shop. I'm with you, Katie. It's a front. What's it called when when you when it's money laundering? That's it. Mm. I mean, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. Sold. Right, we believe you, Katie. Well, Sold one of us tired does. Tired woman with the <laughs> tired baby. <laughs> um, right, Julie Bacon, who is now uh, the chair of the Ambridge on the Couch Parish Council Steering Committee. Yes. Yeah. Um, or anyone who was Patreoning with us yeah. on Tuesday. So, Madam Chair, we shall have to refer to her as. Um, I would describe myself as second to no one in my admiration for Jeff, but cannot let his views on the need for funerals to pass by unchallenged. He oh, yes. is plain wrong. Yes, I actually agree with this. In recent years, there's been a rapid rise in direct cremations where the deceased is taken to the crematorium and disposed of with no ritual and no one in attendance. This has been accompanied by a rise in people contacting clergy with a sense of unresolved grief. A funeral is not for the dead, but for those left behind. Mm. There is a human need to mark an ending, a transition to a new state and a place to bring whatever ragbag of emotions we might be feeling and to have them held and acknowledged. Humanist or religious, it's a way of saying that human life has meaning. And frankly, I think it would say something very dangerous about human beings if we lost that need. Some of the most moving stories from clergy colleagues are about funerals held for people with no known relatives or friends, where sometimes it's just them and the funeral director, where regardless, in my faith tradition, the person is described as known and precious to God and commended back to God. Oh God, that's made me a bit... In Brian's case, I don't think his objection to a funeral was about a wish for no fuss, but for a simple denial of reality, a raging against the dying of the light, as Dylan Thomas put it. In his self-centeredness, he was seeking to impose that denial of reality on everyone around him. He couldn't see that by doing so, he was impeding the process of everyone else's grieving. Thank goodness he's got past it. Yes. Hear, hear, Julie. Also, I I feel like you... I mean, the ritual is so important, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But so is... It's not, and it's not just for the family. It's for friends as well, because you you want to go and pay your respects, don't yeah. you? So, I mean, I can see the appeal of you know a quieter, more stripped back, you know, even if it's in a forest. Yeah, I mean, you don't but... have to have a glass carriage and black horses with plumes, oh, do you? you? Do. But you, yes, do. you do. <laughs> yes, that's a must in my opinion. <laughs> Six white horses. <laughs> <laughs> and a crystal carriage. <laughs> uh, no, you don't. But I. But you've got. You've got to have. You've got to. Also, you've got to offer. When my mum died, it was COVID, so we could only have thirty people mm. in masks, and it was. Although it was really, really sad, it was also hilarious because of all the masks. But um. But then afterwards, we had lots of um, you know, tiny COVIDy gatherings for because so many people wanted to come together and you know and you yeah. want to see us and or we wanted to see them and yeah you want to talk yeah. about the person and but yeah you have, you have to be able to do that and because you, one person touches so many people's lives in so many different ways yeah, yeah. you know some people know people as one thing and then when you all get together you get this 360 get, picture of who the person was and I think get such a sense of relief because i think even the most tragic funerals you know terribly terribly sad ones there's still you still get a bit of release yeah after it don't yeah. you and Which everyone always says don't they you'll feel better once the funeral's over yeah and you dread it and dread it and dread it and then it happens and then you yeah. think nope that was 
yeah, I do feel better. Yeah. And maybe some people need it in order to let, to have a safe space to mm. let their emotions go crazy. Yeah. To release. Yeah. Also, some of them are just fun, aren't they? It's yeah. really funny ones. <laughs> Especially when the music doesn't work properly or it's that the tension in the church can be, you know, and or you accidentally snort and giggle because, you know, even when, you know, when you're so sad, yeah. you let out a snort or you giggle instead of cry and it's, you know, because that's just your 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 emotions reacting, isn't it? But yes, some of them are right good laugh, <laughs> especially if it's an old person who's had a good life. Then it's really fun. I remember when William was little; he was about five or six. He was at a funeral, and I can't remember who it was, but he was that's fascinated nice by the. No, because yeah, I'm trying to f- work out who that would fit into in terms of members of my family that had died or friends of family that were died. Um, but the, he was fascinated by the curtain coming round oh, and hiding oh, the coffin. Horrible. Oh, not the, not the um, going off into the fire. Yeah, no, just the curtain coming round. And then he said, does the curtain come back? And they go, ta-da! Oh, because we'd just been to see a magician. <laughs> So he thought it was some sort of, you know, he was all expectant excitement waiting for whatever, you know. And I said, no, they, they've just gone now, Will. And he was like, oh, oh, they're not coming. Oh, oh, oh that was a bit missed opportunity there. Blimey. Oh, my God. Brilliant. <laughs> um, that, yeah, the ceremony, it is a, it's like, it's a bit like being in the theatre, though, isn't it? That, yeah. You know, that, 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 that silence that yeah. is quite tense and awkward. Yeah. yeah. And then you can only, you know, once you applause or you cry, that's your only. Yeah. Because I always find sometimes in funerals, because crying, you know, if you go to a funeral in Italy or, or somewhere or, and, you know, there's a lot of wailing. Yeah. And it's very loud. But the Brits aren't very good at no loud crying, are we? No. And we try and keep it in a bit, which which probably isn't very good for us. And yeah, but once you've had a drink, that's why you need to have a good wake, isn't it? So you can have a good old drink and a dance yeah. and a yeah. cry. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh, I haven't been to a funeral for ages, Lucy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Must be a few it's coming probably... up. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a cold winter. Well, you know, well, you know, Wedding season, don't you get past that? You know, once you once you're out of your oh, I'm I'm completely. I've been out of wedding season for twenty years, and I'm firmly in funeral territory now. I mean, you know, and it's a good opportunity to see people, isn't it? My friend said it. Funerals are the only social occasion that straight men will go to willingly. Because there's not necessarily dancing. They don't have to do on. anything. They they can just be quiet and sit and think about things. <laughs> then they have a, 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 a drink and some food and they go home and they're not expected. There's no children there generally. So they're not expected to do anything. And, yes, you know, no expectations. And they get a day off work. So, you know, it's, it's all happy for them. Mm. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> um, Patricia Johnson has said... Uh, she sent me a lovely picture of her dogs who are very Aww. gorgeous. Uh, she said, let me share my admiration for all of you and the many listeners who are good at prophesying. I just can't do it. I cannot see ahead. I don't have a clue what the characters might do or what the scriptwriters have in mind. But I do enjoy being a bit ahead when hearing the prophecies because then I have an inward knowing smile at how outlandishly wrong they are or maybe how close to the mark. Um, 
And she also, I said, I can't even make a guess on what is going on at Gay Grable's. Well, join the bloody club. Will Ruaruari take revenge on Julianne? Or who would deign to share a bathroom with David? Don't the scriptwriters know that the late middle-aged people get up multiple times in the night to go for a wee? Oh, God. You just hear, like, if you're in that B&B room, all you hear is David tramping up and down the stairs. In between the snoring and the... And Jill wandering around. <laughs> Len- Leonard occasionally. For- oh, sorry, I forgot it was a B&B. <laughs> you nightmares. Ruth, you'd wake up and find Jill putting a cup of tea down next to your bedtime table at three o'clock in the morning, completely silently. I've made you a ginger cake. Woo! I've made you a ginger cake. And then she'd go out again. In a, in a nylon nightie. <laughs> Crackling away. <laughs> Oh, there's going to be some antics in that B&B. Oh, God. I hope so. Have they actually got anybody booked in? Or was it just Linda Snell? No, they haven't got anyone booked in. Got... I don't think. No real guests. No, but, and that's why, that's why it's just a bit weird, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, but I guess it's going to... This, yeah, no, I don't think you can book. Well, no. Linda, no, you can book because Linda booked. She's yes. only making a booking. Yeah. So there's some sort of rudimentary booking thing. (laughs) Maybe they've got themselves on a website. Oh. Or, no, they're not Airbnb. No. Maybe they've got themselves on a, you know, um, they they wouldn't be classic cottages. Cheaposhitholes.com is what they're on. They're probably on booking.com. Luckily, you can cancel within 24 hours. It's the kind of place that you'd go to if you were going to a wedding. Yes, and you thought exactly we'll just that. we'll just stay somewhere nearby. Oh yes, but that, actually, then they've missed a trick, haven't they? Because if they're hiring out the barn for weddings, why don't they actually do up the ensuite bedroom and sell it as a wedding suite? But honestly, the effort they've gone to has probably cost them about four hundred quid, and they've got <laughs> one room. I know when he said we, when he didn't even say we've done up the bathroom. He said we freshened up the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> So you cleaned it? Yeah, we've given it a run round with the toilet duck. That's fine. That'll do. £60, please. Thank you. That's You're exactly right. It's, it's when you're desperate and yeah. all the accommodations gone yeah. when you're going to a wedding. And all the people that know each other have all booked into the big yes, place. it's annoying. And you're left. And then you find out you've actually got to leave the reception at half past nine to, <laughs> because otherwise the doors will shut and you'll never get home. <laughs> and the taxi will take 35 minutes. Yes. So it's going to be expensive there and back. Yeah, it's exactly that. I once got exactly stuck that. in Rye. The middle of Rye, and I was staying in one of those exactly that sort of place <laughs> because all the good places had gone. And I needed to get a cab back because it was literally the middle of the night on a Saturday night in Rye, and it was complete. It was just shut. Oh, and God. uh I, I, ra- I went, you know, being my usual yeah, idiotic like, L- London self, yeah. you know, yeah. swanning into the bar and said, "Could you ring me a cab?" And they said, "Ha." No, and um, told me to go down. He said, "Go down the hill. Go to the station. There's a notice board outside the oh, station no. with all the taxi." So I was like, mm-hmm, "Okay." Oh. So, uh, so, so I was, clip you know, clop, quite jolly. Clop. Yes, exactly. Clip clop, clip clop. <laughs> For reasons I won't go into, I was dressed as a flapper. Um, oh, Lucy. <sighs> anyway, In tassels. Yeah, um, <laughs> and a headband. Yeah. Absolutely. Were you there? So um, I went down. It was quite cold, I have to say. My, my, yeah. You had your legs out. Feeling like a complete twonk. 
And um, <laughs> had you ditched your long smoking thing? There, <laughs> yes, my, my yes. Uh, there was a a, a bit a piece of A4 paper tacked up, as 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 mentioned on the on the notice board, and it had like uh, seventeen different blokes' names. Just a bloke's name, like Graham, and a mobile number. So I was like, right. So I started, rang the first one, and this man answered and said, I can't, I'm doing a wedding. So I said, right, okay. Rang the next number, got the same man again. Oh, he said, who did you ring? And I said, um, I don't know. He says, James? He says, ah, oh, he's put it through to me. He's doing the wedding. Rang the next one, the same man again. I said, Look, are they all you? And he said, pretty much, yeah. I said, is it a big wedding? He said, yeah, we should be done about three. And in the end, I said, I am standing here dressed like an idiot. It's midnight. I'm freezing. I can't. And he said, oh, all right. So, so I basically <coughs> sort of travelled in someone's wedding taxi to get back to my place. But yes, I'd with imagine. The, with the bride and groom. Eddie <laughs> yes, Grundy picked you up. Sat in the back with his mobile sex shop. Um <laughs> But yeah, so the Charleston. <laughs> da, 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 da. So when when uh, when uh, Inspector Calls said to Ben, "Could you call me a cab?" Oh, and then, yeah. "Could you immediately cancel me a cab?" I thought, "Ooh, both of those things are easier said than done." Yes, yeah, but she did it on purpose. Lucy. She, she did. I know, but I was thinking you just wouldn't get as far as being able to book anyone unless it was Rex. Well, there's only Rex. I mean, yeah. it, she might as well have said, "Can you call Rex?" Yeah. Can you? cancel Rex yeah <laughs> and also you'd go no I can't cancel the taxi because they're on their way you yeah cancel the taxi yeah no Ben was very sweet and very good wasn't he he was okay he had some funny little acting. when he offered to look at her arthritic knees I was thinking <laughs> you haven't you've given up you, you know you've you haven't qualified you shouldn't be looking at anybody's knees mister but anyway <laughs> bless him yeah, we're all going to forget he's a nurse, though, aren't we? Oh, yes. He's just going to be the B&B owner. Of he's one room. Be, oh, poor yeah. Ben. He's basically just going to be the next Rex, isn't he? Oh, God. He's just going to become a Rexy drifter. Every time there's and... a sort of a role required for something, he's going to suddenly <laughs> yeah. start being it. It's such a waste of education. Yeah. Shame. Mm. Anyway. Um. Oh, and now. Now. Let's go over to the picket line. Yay. At Bridge Farm. Samson, I say Thanks for coming, Mr. McPicket. Sorry to be so cloak and dagger, but obviously we don't want our employer to get wind of anything. Is that why we're meeting in this goat field? Ow! Get back! It's our Emma's fresco dining experience, actually. That beardy one's having an alfresco dining experience on my laptop. Move behind here, then. Oof. It's a very strong smell, isn't it? Is that the goats? Or the food, or Tony. We never sure. Anyway, thanks so much for coming. What we're keen to understand is whether or not we can strike. We're being taken advantage of by our employer, and we need a show of strength. Are you unionised? I don't 
think I am. I noticed. Yes, we are clever. We're members of the Rennington Dairy Lay Cheese Triangle Production Workers Amalgamated, which incorporates spreadables. I gave you the papers to sign, but you were distracted. Adam had found a carrot that looked like Michael Gove. Oh, that's excellent. Tell me what's driving you to strike. Well, it's ridiculous. We don't know what we're doing from one minute to the next. First of all, we was packing leeks. I was strong on the leek packing. It was within my skill set. And then it was Ellen's cheese, and we had to wear those hats like hospital knickers. Hospital knickers? Yeah. Oh, the hats I've known. Anyway, we did that for six months. Then it was all kefir, kefir, kefir. Then Tom forgot about all that. So poor Susan still got a garage full of the stuff. She's had to register it with the Ministry of Defence. It's that volatile. And now they've moved on to an edible forest. A what? Is that what that woman in the Ugg boots was pointing out at the front? There was a man with a face like a sad donkey mother, groaning. Yeah, Natasha and Adam. An edible garden seems to be basically an out-of-control herbaceous border. But at least it's taken their mind off the buffaloes. Buffaloes? Are you insured to work with wild animals? Only bacteria. This is insane. I'm presuming you don't get a chance to say no. Ow! Sorry, that black and white one just nibbled my insole. Shouldn't have bent down. It only excites them. We can't say no, really. We only find out what we're doing when we turn up. Here you go, Clara. Don't bother with the airnet. You're being a digger driver today. I suggest formal industrial action. You've definitely got grounds. Your employers are changing your job descriptions willy-nilly. You're not being consulted, insured or protected. You're capitalist lackeys. Yeah. I don't want to be a capitalist, Milky. I am revolting. We are here to support you and to stop employers riding roughshod over your rights to earn a fair day's pay for a fair day's work. Hang on. Would that be like using unpaid labour in retail, then? In a small village shop? Maybe an hyperactive Geordie? Oh, yes, we'd take a strong line on that. Ah, right, but... We might need to rethink this then. Uh, we'll come back to you. Clary, get that donkey jacket off and put the brazier out. We won't need it yet. Very good. Loved it. <laughs> Loved it. She says modestly as she was in it, but anyway. (laughs) The writing, I thought I did very well there. Very well. I really like, I genuinely thought it was really good. Uh, The writing. I haven't heard the acting. I just read it and sent. (laughs) Should I do this bit? Yes. I'm embarrassed. You do it. <laughs> what? I can't, can't do it anymore. You do this bit. You're better at it. You can't do it anymore. I can't do this bit anymore. I don't. I've, I haven't read off this this script for such a long time. Ah, oh, for the love of God! If you'd like to visit Patreon.com <laughs> and look up Ambridge on the couch. Oh, so you're doing it now, are you? No, I'm just learning off you. Okay. Yeah. You can support us at any subscription, subscription level. level. You could. <laughs> 
you are so annoying. You can find us on Facebook. Find us on Facebook. On Twitter, Twitter. at On Ambridge. I love you. Febreze is at Fabulous Febreze. Or you can email us at Ambridge on the Couch at Gmail. At gmail.com. Spillage in aisle number five. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget to social distance. Oh, no, that was a while ago. (laughs) We're not doing that anymore, I don't think. I think they've pulled it. Um, Now, you know I said... Have uh, you got a little plus card? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, it comes out. Um, you know, I said oh, that yeah. Matt hadn't sent us any music. <laughs> yes, Matt has sent us some music. No way! He sent oh, it while we were talking. That's that's amazing because he's going through a lot. Of I think stuff. there's probably no roof on Matt's house at the moment. Or something. <laughs> he was looking increasingly stressed on the oh, Zoomathon. I was thinking, oh god. And he was still playing the piano and putting the music together. I know. Bless Matt, him. Matt, you deserve a holiday. You do. You do. Honestly, I mean, don't everybody. have one, obviously, because we need you to keep doing the music. But, you know. It's fine because, Lucy, remember I've got a guitar. Oh, God. I'm trying you to forget to that you have a guitar. I know. Since Matt came along, <laughs> never well... able to get it out anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder whether the listeners wouldn't mind a bit of live music to uh, play You are going about. to be so gutted when <laughs> everyone writes in and says, no, <laughs> we don't remember the guitar. Don't do it again. We don't remember it for a good reason. <laughs> oh, Lucy, if you would like an Ambridge on the Couch mug, raise your hands. I am raising my hand. Actually, good. I've already got one. Yeah, but you've got a terrible one. Oh, thanks. I've made Julie's. Is it? Is it should I say that? And so Julie, it was I, my birthday present is terrible and you've made Julie a nice one. No, That's but nice. yours was prototype one, which mm. was a failure because I hadn't got the layout right. Oh. Julie's has turned out Quite all right. Me. Do you like it? Well, no. No, Julie's is actually really, really good. Well, it's it's decent. Mm-hmm. And the next one will be a bit more decent. Decenter. Yes. And then in about six months, there might be a really good one. Okay. So if you'd like a mug, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're saying, basically. <laughs> yeah, but there'll be... If you want a cheap mug... <laughs> if you want a cheap shit one, then... And you're impatient, fine. If you want... If you want an original, you know, like when people, you know, when when artists sell prints. Yes. One of a hundred. Yeah. You could have one of those. Yeah. Because once they get good, I'll be like, printing thousands at a time. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want an original. I like the way you're taking this on a sort of like a cottage industry. You're like Bridge Farm. (laughs) I've decided I'm going to make mugs. I'm going to put the twins' faces. (laughs) One on one side. Oh, she's turning to Ruth. One on the other. And uh, the stained glass window would be nice <laughs> on the mug. Uh, yes. Okay. That's my next uh, thing. Okay. Send it to Julie. Uh, anyway. Anyway, thank you for having me. Well, <laughs> that's all right. I've ruined the ending of the show. I've ruined it by talking about the mugs. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, like So you mug. were saying if you'd like a mug, what do people do? Write in or what? Well, no just wondered whether there would be interest well okay. let's i tell you what let's see what julie thinks of her mug okay julie would be a good person to vote on this and she's a vicar so she can't lie exactly. so she can't say <laughs> oh i loved it if she hated it she has to be honest otherwise god won't love her anymore so Did god will like fire her 
did you like it really like it or love it yeah there is no other (laughs) you don't go to there's no d right um because we were gonna have like merch weren't we we were yes we did have a tiny bit yes and they just kept telling us that (laughs) what we what we'd done wasn't right so we got disheartened and wandered off out of the printing lines and stuff. Yeah, yes. <laughs> no, very, I'm... very picky, I felt. Very picky. <laughs> but uh, no, it's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Thanks. Well, thank you very much for, for organising that, Miss Carmichael. Um, now, I don't know why Matt has uh, done this because there wasn't anything remotely sexy in this week's episode. Uh, because <laughs> Valentine's. Uh, no, that was last week, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yes, it was. David and his... In his oh, long johns gosh. covered in Ugh. intestines. Well, to be fair, I'd rather see that than David and Ruth in the barn. Yeah. With the lead piping, whatever they do, they were doing. Yeah. With the far- candle farts or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, fart-shaped candles. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe Jeff actually heard that. We're so childish. Um, <laughs> so, uh, he's the music this week is The Stripper. <laughs> oh, my God. Matt's had a really hard. Because of David, presumably, oh, yes, getting David. his kit off, standing Hold in the up. kitchen sink, rubbing himself down with a oh, with a pan yeah, scrub, with, so oh. smashing. Yeah, I don't want to see to be rubbing you down, David. <laughs> to see you rub, rub, I mean rubbing you down. I would actually quite like to see to you. rub down David. I've what? always fancied David. Oh my God, Lucy! Oh, you joking? No, I had to stand next to Tim Bentink in the pub, and I went all peculiar. <laughs> I do, I fancy him. The Freeman. <gasps> you want to see him sons long johns? I think what? I'd rather see him sons them than in them <laughs> because they just sound revolting. <gasps> you want to take them off him? I don't want to. I don't know how they work. You want to see him thigh up in dirt. D- no, hang on. That thigh matter. up? No. <laughs> What's the expression? I don't know. I don't know either. Knees up in dirt? No. No, that sounds like a smear test. That's not, I don't want to see that. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I'm I thought you knew that. No, I didn't know. No, no. I mean, he's a handsome man, isn't he? Yes. Tim? Yes. I, I just didn't know he... he wielded that power over you he's one of the few one he's the only one actually that when i think of david i think of tim i think of tim looking like david yes yeah it's hard not to also he's a very um i think he's such a sort of truthful actor isn't he yeah and he's just a nice chap yes yeah he is a really nice tim is a really nice guy isn't he yeah i mean david's a wally but yeah yeah. wally lucy (laughs) Lucy, you could have been Ruth. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, you'd love it actually with your pigs and all that. Would you have? Liked I'd have been. I'd have been a Jill. I'd have been. You would have been. Oh my god! The cakes you would have made. Mm. Cakes I've made. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have been in the lambing shed. <laughs> or walloping cows the on the ass, I think. No, no, okay, no, okay. Oh, you would have been very good at the weddings, though. Uh, yes. Wow, wow. Yeah. Oh, you'd have lost your patience, and you definitely have screwed Sam. Yeah, well, if he was tiddling around with that bloody <laughs> toy farm and talking to people and talking to imaginary people, and good, that, that I would have lost my temper with that, I think. 
Can't imagine, yes. But you'd like him when he put his leather jacket on and got his guitar out. Yeah! Oh, God, now you've given me the ick, as the ute says. Well, 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 we Mm. learn something every day. Yes, and then spend the rest of the day trying to forget it. I'm sorry about that, everybody. (laughs) David Sons Long Johns. Right, shall I, now you've embarrassed me completely, should we say goodbye and do the stripper music? Yes, but now I'm just going to picture you picturing David during this song well that's your problem don't (laughs) (laughs) anyway I can't hear this music without thinking of um Morecambe and Wise doing that breakfast sketch where they're chucking the toast around and all that sort of thing so I'm just going to think about that and the moments when I think about David are private moments what are just for me thank you very much okay right say goodbye then Jane Garvey or Fee Glover or whichever one it is you are uh, Your fee, go- uh, fee glover, aren't you? Fee glover. Yes. Of that smashing podcast. Is it unfortunately? Unf- unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was that was fortunately, which was the Radio Four one, and now they've made their own one <laughs> called something else. Okay. Fee from fortunately signing off. <laughs> no, she doesn't sound like that. Fee from fortunately signing off. Fee for fur for fur. <laughs> Farewell from me. <laughs> um, and yeah. goodbye uh, from me also. And we'll see you next week. And Bye. now it is the stripper. Thank you very yeah. much, Matt. And I hope yeah. that your roof comes back on soon. <laughs> okay. Right. Cool. I'm going to play it now. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.